Amen. But what an unprecedented day we're living in. Never before have we lived in a day like today. The simple reality is everywhere you turn, there's seemingly nothing but bad news and negative news. From politics to the pandemic, wars and rumors of wars, nothing but gloom and doom and despair. Recent article I read said that worry and fear and anxiety are at an all-time high in America. We're living in perilous times. Does anybody believe that today? We're living in perilous times. But the Apostle Paul said it like this, If I had hope in this life only, I'd be among all men most miserable. But my hope is not built on the White House. My hope is not built in the eradication of the pandemic. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. Come on, somebody. Than Jesus and His righteousness. Praise God. Amen. And in this hour of uncertainty, what we need more than anything is what we've been feeling around here. The presence of God. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of the man that fell off the cliff. He was walking along the edge and he fell off the cliff and he managed to grab a tree limb as he was falling down to a certain death. And as he's hanging on for dear life to this limb that was growing out of the mountain, he began to call and cry out, Is anybody up there? Can anybody hear me? Is anybody understand my situation can anybody see where I am suddenly a voice called out and said I am here I see you and I hear you I am the Lord do you believe me he said yes Lord I believe I really believe but I can't hang on much longer I am at the end of my strength The voice came back. The Lord said, that's all right. If you really believe, you have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about. I will save you. Just let go of the branch. There was a moment's pause, and then the climber called out, is there anybody else up there? I believe the Lord is trying to tell us Whatever we walked in here today holding on to, whatever we walked in here today clinging to, believing might be the answer to the issue. Jesus saying it's time to let go and trust me. Because you may not see it, you may not feel it, you may not understand it, but I've got a plan for you today. I believe God has a plan for us. I believe God has a word for us today that we can walk out of here renewed in His power and His promise. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, very quickly, thank you for standing. Turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, verse 24. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel 
and said unto the captains of the men of war which went with him, Come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. Get a picture of that. Put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they came near and they literally put their feet upon the necks of them. The 25th verse says, And Joshua said, Not God, not an angelic host, but a man. Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus, feet on the neck, shall the Lord do to all. Somebody say all. Do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 24. Rise ye up. Take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. For behold, I have given into thine hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his land. Man, I love this part. Begin to possess it. It's yours. It's your promise. It's your land. I give it to you. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. I believe the Lord's telling us it's your promise. It's his plan. But some things we still got to fight for. One last scripture. Again, thank you for standing. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all, there's that word again, all the power of the enemy. How many knows that a serpent strikes with its head from the front? And a scorpion strikes with its tail from the back. I believe the Lord is trying to tell us through this scripture. Whatever comes against you, whatever you wrestle with, whatever you're struggling with, heads or tails, you win. If it comes at you as a serpent, you're going to defeat that. If it comes to you from the back and surprises you, you're still going to defeat that. Heads or tails. You're an overcomer today. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. What's going on? I got a word from the Lord. Whatever comes against me from the head or from the tail, heads or tails, I'm a winner. And nothing's going to hurt me. God's got a plan. All I got to do is keep fighting. I want to preach for a few moments upon this subject, the power of expectation. The power of expectation. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. I believe what God is saying in this tumultuous hour to His church is this. In spite of all that's fighting against you, you can still have your miracle. In spite of what the news is saying and what you're confronted by, you can still have your healing. In spite of what the devil tries to tell you, you can still be an overcomer and have your victory. 
In fact, the Lord is trying to tell us you can live for him. You don't have to be afraid to reach out. You don't have to be afraid to speak out. You don't have to be afraid to step out or claim your miracle. But what about this? What about that? What about this situation? What about that situation? Even if you don't understand what is going on, when you can't track God, you can always trust God. You don't have to be afraid. I claim it. I believe it. I expect it. Hear me today. Just because your day, your week, this month or even this year so far hasn't been perfect. It doesn't mean it still doesn't have a divine purpose. Let me say that one more time. Just because it hasn't been perfect doesn't mean there's not a holy purpose for what God has for you. For the Lord is saying to have a victory, you've got to show up for battle. Amen. To have your victory, you've got to show up for the battle. But if you just keep showing up, if you just keep the faith, you will win. Why do you think the devil tries so hard to keep you from just coming to church? Because just showing up is nine-tenths of the battle. The adversary, here's, here's some, some, some revelatory statements here. The adversary's not going to relinquish ground willingly. I know that surprises some people. You mean I'm not just going to wake up and have revival? You mean I'm not just going to wake up and tiptoe through the tulips? You, 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 you mean that I'm not going to just be able to have everything perfect in my world all the time? No, I'm sorry, you're not. But we do have a promise from God that says the battle is not yours. You may have to show up, but I'll fight the battle for you. You may have to step out, but I'll step in with authority, dominion, and power to defeat the enemy that's against you. But what about when I, when I fall? What about when I stagger? What about when I stumble? You just keep getting back up and let God fight your battle. For what did the writer say? Rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. God never promised a life without battle. But he did promise you the victory if you just refuse to quit and show up for the fight. I told somebody this a few days ago. Problems don't prevent us from reaching our destiny. I said the devil doesn't keep you from reaching your destiny. The only thing that can keep you from reaching your destiny is us. 
But as long as we stay faithful, well, I've had a bad week, but I'm not quitting. Well, things have been bad, but I'm not giving up. Honey, that's what the devil's afraid of. A bulldog tenacity that says, you know what? I may not be able to dance into church, but I can dance out of church. I may not be able to just run like I need to. At a church not too long ago, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move, and there's an elder in the church. Let's just say her running the aisle days had long since gone. But there was still a fire in her, Brother Chance. In fact, I mean, the Spirit's just moving everywhere. I noticed her grab a young person and kind of pull him to, me, to her and, and said something. Piqued my curiosity. So after church and that, and that young person then, then began to run, took out running. And I asked the dear sister after church, so I said, can I just ask you what you mentioned to that young person? She said, yeah. I told him my legs can't run. I don't have the strength to run, but I got the will to run. Run for me. Can I just tell somebody on this Sunday morning, it doesn't matter how you woke up. It doesn't matter what the devil's been telling you. The devil is a liar. You just get up and say, you know what? Things have been bad, but greater is he that is in me. God uses problems as platforms for promotion. To help us reach our destiny. Amen. It was an interview with heavyweight boxer Ken Norton. He was describing a fight between himself and the great Muhammad Ali. He said, during the course of the fight, Ali left an opening. And he said, I hit Ali square on the jaw with everything I had. It was a perfect opening and a perfect right cross. And he said, I laid it clean. He said, when I hit him, I heard and felt his jawbone snap into. And he said, I knew I've won the battle. He said, I hit the great Muhammad Ali with everything I had, shattered his jaw I seen a glazed eye, a glazed look come over his eye, and blood begin to trickle down his mouth, and his jaw was a little askew. And he said to myself, I in the interview, he said, I knew I had won the battle. He said, and then the bell rang. And I thought, man, the bell saved him. But I went to, he said, I went to my corner and Ali went to his corner. He said, while I'm sitting in my corner and they're doing whatever they do, he said, I glanced a, a sneak look over to Ali's corner and Ali kicked the chair away. When they put it there for him to sit down, he kicked it away. And he said, I knew I had hit him. I knew I had hurt him. He was bleeding and he was broken. And he said, he's over there in that corner, bouncing. And he said, he may be bouncing, but he ain't going to come back in when the bell rings. Because I know I hurt him, and he doesn't have the strength to keep fighting. He said, then the bell rang, and in this interview he said, the bell rang, 
And I went to the middle of the ring knowing I've won the battle. He said, but then to my surprise, out walking to the middle of the ring was broken jaw, bleeding, and hurt Muhammad Ali. And he said, in that moment, I knew I had lost the fight. Can I just tell somebody, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It ain't over until it's over. Stop living for God based on how things look or how things feel. Because everything you hear in the news, everything you read in the news, everything you see in the news, it's bad news. It's gloom. It's despair. But I got news for you. Great is our God. The enemy is doing everything within his power to bring the church to a standstill. Can I just be so bold as to say in the midst of this COVID craziness and social and political insanity, God is reminding the church we live by faith, not by fear. And can I also just add, we live by faith, not by facts. The facts said, Jonah, you're not going to live in the belly of that fish. For three days, he was in the belly of that fish. The facts say, you're going to die. You're nothing more than fish food. But can you imagine hell's dismay? When the facts said, that's not possible. The facts said, and the science said, it can't happen. But that fish puked up Jonah and with seaweed on him and the smell of fish food all over it, he walked into Nineveh, the acceptable day of the Lord and they had revival get ready somebody get ready somebody the devil's been trying to tell you but it can't happen who says well the facts say it's not possible the facts said Paul and Silas sorry but you're bound and put you've been beaten you've been thrown into the prison cell the Bible says they were thrown in jail beaten, bruised, bloody and battered bound up hand and foot and these two preachers without a sword, without a weapon without anything had four quaternions of soldiers guarding them they didn't have one weapon but four quaternions of soldiers. Somebody asked me, well, how many soldiers is in a quaternion? And I said, a lot. I said, there was four times a lot against these unarmed preachers of the gospel. But the Bible says, and around about midnight. I mean, don't you understand? Midnight belongs to the devil. Who says? Since when does the devil own anything? Too long we've been saying, well, you don't understand. The devil, you know, he, he's been kicking me. Well, he's the devil. 
it's midnight. I love, I love how the Bible is specific in this, in this note. And around about midnight, Paul and Silas, surrounded by four quaterniums of soldiers, beaten, bruised, and bloodied, bound hand and foot, began to sing and to praise God. I don't, I don't, I don't feel good. I mean, I'm just, I'm just maybe, and I'm going to use my imagination. Y'all have to forgive me. i got a vivid imagination. Uh, I just see old Paul and Silas in that prison cell. And, and they look at one another. Hey, man, how you feeling? Well, first of all, I'm as bound up as you are, Flash. I'm as beat up as you are. I don't really feel good at all. Well, what, what do you think we should do? <laughs> I don't know, but what if, what if we just start singing? What, what, what if we just start praising God? God didn't call me to sing. I'm not a singer, but I love to sing. The other day I was at a red light. I think it's the only red light in Deritter. Not really. They got two. <laughs> but I'm sitting at this red light, and one of my favorite songs comes on. It's like, we got the devil on the run. I don't know the, the, the whole thing, but it's just a bad to the bone song. I love it. Well, I, you know, it's just me in the car. I crank that rig up. I'm sitting at the red light, and I'm just singing. You ever, yeah, you ever sing a song that you know it just enough to be excited about it, but not really enough to know what you're saying? We got the devil on the run. run. I mean, I'm just singing. I'm, I mean, I'm just having a good time. And yeah, I'm jamming. And I just, I glance, I glance over. There's this lady looking at me. There's something seriously wrong with you. I just give her a thumbs up and I, I go on about my business. Here's Paul and Silas in this jailhouse. They don't feel good, but they, they, they conjure up something from the inside. Now, I know they don't, they don't sing this because this song wasn't written back then and and please forgive me for this, but there are some times that amazing grace is awesome, but there are some times that that's not the right song for that moment. I mean, when you need something with a little, a little punch, you, I mean, God, forgive me. You don't sing. And you see jail. Here they are. The devil thinks I've got them right where I want them. I've beat them up. They're bloody. I've got them surrounded. At midnight, they don't have, they don't pose any threat to me. And I'm gonna have my way with them come morning. But something began to happen in that jail cell. I can just I can just hear it. Now maybe this ain't the song. It wasn't written back then, but I just kind of like it. They just kind of busted it out with I've got a feeling. Everything's going to be all right. Oh, I've got a feeling.
everything's going to be all right. What is going on? We beat them. We bound them. We put them in the prison cell. But there is a liberty in the Holy Ghost that the enemy cannot contend with. I believe God is saying, come on somebody. What's going on? Well, it's Sunday. There's a new variant to the COVID. There's trucker protests all over the world. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I, I was in revival and, well, I was in revival in another, another place. And I was raised, my brothers and I were raised with this one rule. Now, we had go-karts and we had mini bikes, but there was a rule in our house. Our parents said, as long as you're under our roof, and I'm the only ones ever heard that, you will not have a motorcycle. Well, guess what? I wasn't living under their roof. Man, I'm at this I'm at the church and this this pastor's got a chance he's got a sweet motorcycle to sell it. It's black, it's chrome, it's got chrome pipes, it's got the big windshield. I mean it's a smoke talking. And it comes with all the helmets and leather and he even had a trailer, a motorcycle trailer. He said, I'll give it to you for almost nothing. I don't know. Well, long story short, I bought it. And I thought, well, you know what? I, I had a schedule. I had a plan. I'm going to drive it to my mom and dad's house. Because in two days, I got to fly out of Birmingham to go to the West Coast. And, and, and begin revival. And, and so I had my schedule laid out. I had the plan. I had everything worked out. Timing was perfect. I'm going to drive it to my parents. I'm going to park it. And then I'm going to enjoy it for a day or two. Then I'm going to get on an airplane. I'm going to go love Jesus. I'm driving toward Alabama in the middle of the night. And suddenly a tire on the trailer blows out. It's all right. I've still got a plan. I've still got a schedule where everything's going to be all right. I got a, I got a, I got a spare tire. I pull off the side of the road and the side of the interstate, and I go to get the spare, and the spare is flatter than a flitter. I don't even know what a flitter is, but it's as flat as a flitter. So I thought, well, it's, it's still okay. I got my schedule. I got my time. I got everything perfect. I, 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 I'm going to call AAA. I'm a member of AAA. I called AAA and they said, yes, sir, no problem. We know exactly where you are. We'll be there within 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Three hours later, I'm still sitting there. And then to make matters worse, pulling in behind me is blue lights flashing. And I don't care who you are and how much Jesus you have. When the popo shows up, You start checking yourself. Oh, God, where's my wallet? Oh, Lord, where's my insurance papers? 
Popo shows up. And the man that gets out of that car, Brother Chance, is the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. Seriously. He's about 6'9", 6'10", and he's as wide as he is tall. And he saddles up to the car and he says, son, what's going on? I told him. I said, but everything's fine. Triple A's going to be here any minute. So everything's good. I appreciate you stopping. Have a nice day or nice night. He looked at me and he said, son, do you know where you are? I said, yeah, in the middle of nowhere. He said, no, son, do you really know where you are? I said, well, I know the highway, but there's no lights, there's no exits, there's no billboards. Yeah, I said, I don't know the mile marker, but I kind of know where I'm at. He said, no, you're in the worst stretch of interstate in this entire state. There's more carjackings and murders on this stretch of highway. What? I'm just, I'm just trying to get to my parents' house and fly out to have Jesus Church. Come on. I, I, don't, I don't want no trouble. He said, son, you, you are fortunate to even be alive. I said, well, I appreciate you telling me that. Not really. And I said, well, I appreciate you letting me know. I'll be on guard. Uh, you know, thank you very much. He said, no, son, I can't leave you until help arrives. He said, because at any minute, tragedy could come. He said, so I've got to stay right here with you. And he turned to me, Brother Chance, and he said, it's a miracle you ain't already dead. Somebody must be watching out for you. And I thought, well, my goodness, maybe, maybe so. And then he turned to me and he said, why don't we just go sit back in my car and wait for AAA to get here? Now, I don't know how you react to that, but I'm not getting into the car. It ain't happening. I said, I've never been in the back seat of a, of, a, of a police car, and I ain't about to start now. I said, I've heard once you get in, you can't get out. It's kind of like Hotel California. Forgive me for that. He said, well, you just sit, on the, sit in the front seat. So I did. I, I, I sat in the front seat, and we're sitting there, and there's a giant of a man there, and we're, we're just sitting there. We're having an idle conversation that I notice a Bible in the console. And it just striking a conversation. I said, hey, I notice you have a Bible. I said, do, do, you, do you read it much? And he said, oh, I do. I read it as much as I can. He said, do you read the Bible? I said, well, not as much as I need to. I said, but I try to. And then he asked me the question. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm, I'm a minister. I didn't want to freak him out. I didn't want to scare him to death. You know, I said, I'm a minister. He said, oh, okay. And I said, I, I travel and I, I speak at different churches. And, and he said, oh, you're an evangelist. I said, yes, exactly. I'm an evangelist. And then he turned to me. And he said, you're the man I've been praying for. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the devil's domain. I'm at a place where hell thinks they don't have anything to worry about. I've got a flat tire waiting on some help to arrive. And the police shows up and suddenly he turns to me. Tears begin to roll down his face. He said, you're the man I've been praying for. He said, because I've been reading in the Bible and there's some things I don't really understand. 
He said, I began to pray, God, if you're real, and if what you say in your Bible is true, I need you to send somebody my way that knows you the way I need to know you and talk to me. Suddenly, I forgot all about my schedule. I forgot all about my plan, and I realized it didn't look good, but I was exactly where God wanted me to be. Can I tell somebody on this Sunday morning, it may not look good, but you're exactly where God wants you to be. Turn to that man. Tears rolling down his face. I said, would you mind if I prayed for you? Mind you, we're, on the, we're in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch black. I said, would you mind if I pray for you? And I don't want to scare you. I said, but the Bible says by the laying on of hands. I said, I'm going to lay my hands on your head, and the Lord is going to come into this automobile. And right there in the middle of where the devil thought he was in charge, Come on, somebody. Right there where a flat tire had stopped me in my tracks. I laid my hands on his head. And the God of glory came into that car. And he began to speak in a heavenly language as the Holy Ghost moved upon him. I've come to tell somebody, I don't care what it looks like. God has a plan. Too often we allow the atmosphere around us to determine the victory within us. The Bible says, and I'm hurrying, the apostles obeying God, obeying God, launched out to the deep. And they came upon a storm that began to buffet their boat. I'm where God wanted me to be. I'm doing what God's called me to do. And here I am in this boat. And they begin to fear for their life as a storm attacked them. Waves begin to crash their boat. The wind began to buffet their boat. Rain began to cascade down on them. To the point the Bible says they feared for their life. I'm where God wants me to be doing what God wants me to do the Bible says you can read it for yourself that their boat began to fill with water what the Lord is saying there is they're in the perfect will of God they're exactly where God wants them to be but issues from the outside and issues of life began to have an effect on what was happening inside the boat. You see, we too often think, oh, I'm a child of God, I'm never going to have a problem. I'm a child of God, I'm never going to have a blue Monday. And we, we have Sunday service and we worship and we magnify and we exalt the Lord and we just, we leave thinking, man, I can tackle hell with a snow cone. But then Monday comes, and your boss is on a rampage. Your husband or your wife's, you're convinced it's possessed of the devil. 
I mean, not none of y'all here could have done it. But we begin to think, what's, what's going on? Does, does God love me? Does God care for me? Does God see where I'm at? You see, we, we think when we, when we come on with God and we join with the Lord that, that we, we, we're, we're kind of like Tiny Tim. Anybody's ever heard of Tiny Tim? He's a weird duck. Oh, you older cats, you know, 40 and over, you, you know who he is. Weird guy. He had this song, played a ukulele, I think, with him. And that song was, Tiptoes through the tulips. Too often we think that's the way it is in living for God. I'm going to tiptoe through the tulips till Jesus comes. I'm never going to have a problem. I'm never going to have a bad day. Things are always going to be exactly the way I want them to be. But then when uh, a flat tire happens, or you run out of gas, or your radiator runs hot, or your boss runs hot, or some calamity befalls you, the devil jumps in and he begins to say, where's your God at now? Where's your God at now that said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Where's the God at that said, there's never going to be an issue too big for you to handle? Where's your God at now? I've come to tell somebody, he's as faithful in the dark hour as he is in the noon hour. He's as real as your pastor said in the valley as he is on the mountaintop regardless of how things look and regardless of how things feel there is a God who is faithful. Apostles in the middle of God's will yet still going through a storm. The boat filling with water does this mean God has failed them? No. Does this mean God has forgotten them? No. For you see, faith is trusting what the eye cannot see. The eye see the storm, but faith sees the rainbow of Noah. Maybe you walked in here today wrestling with not seeing your future, only seeing fear and failure. But faith sees a Savior today. Joshua chapter 10 says it like this. Joshua said to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the 13th verse says, And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hastened not to go down about a whole day. In other words, a man spoke with expectation and God heard him. 
And as long as it took for them to have their victory, as long as it took for them to overcome what was attacking and oppressing them, the Lord said, I'll hang the sun in the sky, I'll hold the moon in its path because I'm not going to let anything defeat or the sun go down on the promises that I have for my people. Somebody hear me this morning. Maybe you walked in here and the enemy's oppressed and the enemy's attacked. Maybe the devil's trying to rub your nose in your your situation only because he knows what is possible when you start speaking with expectation and faith. draw to a close this morning as they come to the music. The Bible says the Gibeonites align themselves with God's people. The Gibeonites had been attacked and been harassed by an enemy army. And they seen the favor that the Hebrews had with God. And so they said, we're going to join with them because we want their God on our side. And when we join with them, we're not going to have any more issues. We're not going to have any more problems. We're not going to have any more dilemmas. You see, they thought when they joined with the people of God that suddenly everything's going to be perfect. The Bible says that when they aligned themselves with the people of God, the enemy yet came against them. But instead of one army coming against them, the Bible says now five enemy nations rose up against them. I thought when I joined with the people of God, I was going to have good days. I thought when I joined with the family of God, I wasn't going to have any more issues. The Gibeonites, they thought... We're not going to have to deal with these enemies any longer. But when they signed on with the Lord, it went from one to five. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, numbers have never intimidated God. You see, the devil thought, I'll bring more against them. And that'll intimidate them. Because if you walk by sight, you're intimidated by what you see. I'll bring more issues against them. I'll bring more heartache to them. They won't have revival. They won't turn this city upside down. They won't see their families come to God. They won't see this parish on fire for revival. Oh, the devil's such an idiot. Doesn't he know that numbers have never intimidated God? For the Lord said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be right there. Another place, he said, if one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand, 
Honey, I got news for you right here in this church today. There's enough power and promise to turn this parish upside down. The devil's so afraid that somebody in here is going to speak some things with a spirit of expectation. I claim my family in Jesus' name. The devil's so afraid somebody's going to step out and say, you know what? I'm going to claim my miracle in Jesus' name. The devil, he's trying his best. I'm going to stop them from having apostolic revival. I'm going to stop them from turning their world upside down. I'm going to intimidate them. Honey, I got news for you. The devil doesn't know. It was a small group in California in a little old nothing street called Azusa Street that ignited a fire that has swept all across this planet. The devil, he still doesn't realize it was a little group of Bible college students in Topeka, Kansas in a prayer meeting that began to pray. We're going to believe God for victory. We're going to believe God for breakthrough. And it ignited a revival that burned across the entire Midwestern United States. Somebody get ready. Somebody get ready. God is saying, I'm here. I've got a plan. I've got it all laid out. I need somebody to speak with expectation. I was at a little old church as we stand to our feet. We'd already seen a half dozen or a dozen be filled with the Spirit, baptized in His beautiful name. When one of the young people went to the pastor and said, I wonder if we can do something else. Because I want to I just feel God wants to do something in my high school. Come on. Why don't we just celebrate what's going on in the church? But this young person said, why don't, why don't we just, is it okay if we just try something? The time they came up with and I agreed to was after Sunday service about 3 o'clock, we'd have a little, just a little worship service. There ain't no telling what's going to happen from your Thursday night worship service. Get ready. It was just a little worship service. But they took that. And I, and honestly, Brother Chance, I, I thought we're going to have 10, 15, maybe 20 at best. I walked in there. There was about 50 people at a non-scheduled worship service. Mostly young people. God moved. We worshiped. We want to know about our business. We continued revival. The next service, the next Sunday, six of the local high school starting football team 
was with the youth group in church. Four or five of the cheerleading squad was with the young people. Before it was over with, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. We, we celebrated. We celebrated. Oh, thank God. It's, this is wonderful. This is powerful. But when a spirit of expectation is released and you begin to speak in faith, you open the window for God to do the impossible. We went on about our business. Revival ended. It's months down the road, two or three months. I get a phone call from the pastor. He says, hey, man, where are you at? And I told him. He said, do you think you could come back by sometime? I said, sure, what's going on? He said, well, I got a call from LSU. LSU. In Alexandria. And they want that minister that you had to come and be a guest speaker for the day. I said, we'll make time. I drove in. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. My expectations were not where they needed to be. I, they were a little low. I mean, we're going into a setting that's not, they're not ready to just have revival. I mean, it's LSU. It ain't Alabama. Forgive me. I walked in and I thought, as I met the person that was going to be my contact, I thought for sure they're going to have us in a little room, a little side room. They gave me a hall that was about the size of this auditorium. And I said, now what's the guidelines and what are the stipulations that I can and can't do? They said, Reverend, you don't have any guidelines. There's no stipulations. You can speak on anything you want. I brought in some music. We had music playing. We had about 100 students come in that place. I began to talk about a God that's bigger than their problem. A God that sees where we can't see. A God that has a plan when you don't think there is a plan. And a God that loves them beyond their wildest imagination. What started as a squeezed in little worship time in a Sunday afternoon ended at a university where I began to speak to a hundred or more students from all around the world and without any prompting where they were standing, where they were sitting and some came down front they began to pour out their hearts to God and they began to be filled with the presence of the Lord God began to move in that place how did it happen? somebody said I'm expecting more I believe in God for greater what did you walk in here today struggling with with every eye closed and every heart open in this house 
wonder if there's anybody that'll raise your hands toward heaven. I claim my family. Lord, I'm going to pray with expectation. I'm going to speak with a divine expectation. I'm believing for my school. I'm believing for my mom. I'm believing for my dad. I'm believing for my brother and my sister. Come on, somebody. God sees exactly where you are. 